You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the -the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison. And here's a man with a plan, leader of the band, buff and tanned, Dave, the killer bread man, doll. Welcome to the Felony Inc. podcast, motherfuckers, live from downtown Portland, Oregon, on another beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest. I'm a four-time loser who finally found his way to win. I replaced a pattern of addiction and incarceration with education, medication, and an honest occupation the creation of Dave's Killer Bread. Now I'm on a new mission to inspire and help others reach their own potential by overcoming limitations placed on them by the world and by themselves. On Felony Inc., our main goal is to interview guests who have turned a corner in their own lives and are examples of personal transformation. We also look for guests who have a part in this process, like our guest today, Barbara Kennard from the Oregon Correctional Enterprises. With me in the studio, as usual, is my right-hand man, who actually happens to be left-handed, huh, lad? A man with a perfect face for radio, Lad Justison. Hey, what do you think, Alon? Do you think he has a good face for radio? I think he's, uh, he's got... No, he looks pretty good today, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, perfect. Wow. So, I Lad, was. hey, well, do you remember when we actually met? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, it was uh, me and you were at Snake River Correctional Institution. I believe the year was 1998. And uh, you were sitting on the uh, yard, cross-legged like some Buddha, playing your guitar. I've always been your guru. That's right. And I walked up and said, hey, uh, can I teach you a few licks? And uh, that, that like, scared me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't sure what he meant by that. But <laughs> taking one look at him, I Whoa. was like, huh, well, what does he mean by that? So you started licking. Anyway, so, <laughs> yeah, we sat down and played, jammed out a little bit, and uh, started a friendship right there. And uh, it lasted all these years. And uh, now it has evolved into some really cool stuff we're doing. Yeah, well, we're you know we're playing music and you know we're doing we work together cleaning statues a lot. A lot. A lot of cleaning statues. There's really old pieces of wooden art from Africa. Kind of fun. It's yeah. kind of fun. It's they really. You never relaxing. know what you're going to find underneath all that dirt. That's true. But you know what? Um, this week we were fortunate to be able to play for the Cascade Blues Association. Had a great time, did an acoustic set over at this place in Portland called Catfish Lose. Yeah. Um, had a great time. Um, well, no no more acoustic sets like that. No. If we're going to do an acoustic set, we'll do it in the living room, nice right. cozy setting. You know, those those kinds of places are meant for, for us to do our electric sets. That's right. Just remember that. Don't get us into any more of those. I didn't do that. All right. I'm, that gonna, was I'm blaming you anyway. <laughs> but here's the go. thing. Tomorrow, uh, yeah. guess what? Oh, man, what is it? We got uh, a fundraiser for MSEED, and it's a really cool program. And uh, what it is is a place called uh, MSEED in Oregon City. And what they do is they have a little thrift store 
They raise money, and the money that they raise, they actually will take somebody right off the street that day, put them on an airplane, take them out of state, and put them into a, a one-year drug and alcohol program. That's pretty freaking Just like amazing. that, boom. Nice. So we're having a fundraiser. We're raising some money, and then... Uh, so everybody come down. It's uh, 50th and Hawthorne, downtown Portland. 20 it's bucks ahead, uh, and all the money goes to uh, MC. That's right. And then Sunday, we got the Lentz Fair, and we're going to be the opening act at the Lentz Fair, which is going to be at 11 o'clock on Sunday. Yeah, if you want some early morning rock and roll, come on down. Come on down. And then... 11 o'clock on Saturday. And early then for some people. we got one more. Dave happens to live in a very nice building downtown Portland, and we will be entertaining the guests of what it be Benson Tower. Oh yeah, yeah. we're gonna do that on that's Saturday. Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, if you you can come down and sneak in there, it's supposed to be for the get for the uh, for the owners of these condos. But you know what, you can sneak in. We don't care. Just don't bring any guns or anything, please. No, no uh, <laughs> weapons and, and, and no, uh, yeah, yeah, no explosives or anything. Uh, hey, let's get to our guest today. I'm going to talk a little bit about Barbara. Barbara Kennard of Oregon Correctional Enterprises is a, no, the, that Oregon Correctional Enterprises is a self-sustaining organization that provides work and training for Oregon's adults in custody. Their programs include wood, metal, and sign fabrication, garment manufacturing, embroidery, laundry, contact center, document scanning, printing, and mail fulfillment. Our focus is to provide, they say, our focus is to provide products at a high value and services and with a reduced cost. Measure 17 requires adults in custody to participate in meaningful work and or education programs 40 hours a week. Keep going, lad. Tell us. This is from the website, by the way. Enacted by the Oregon legislature in 1999, Measure 68 created Oregon Correction Enterprises, known as OCE, as a semi-independent state agency under the direction of the Department of Corrections Director and working in concert with the department. In addition to providing work opportunities, OCE staff work with adults in custody to install confidence, work ethic, and provide them with the tools and skills they need to succeed after release. Today, over 1,400, wow, that's a lot, adults in custody, yeah. custody participate. more than there used to be, I think. Yeah. yeah. Which o- I like. In OCE work programs located in nine of the 14 Oregon Correctional Institutions, and 55% of these individuals will be released within six years. It is our mission, this is them saying this, to provide these men and women with the skills and attitudes necessary to enhance their opportunities to secure employment upon release. Our revenue, generated through the sale of products and services produced by adults in custody, provides our agency's operating budget. Through their work in OCE programs, adults in custody receive on-the-job training and an opportunity to develop their confidence and a viable work ethic. I love it. This experience changes their outlook in life, helping to better equip them to make a successful transition into our communities. In addition, work assignments help adults in custody pay their debts, including victim restitution and child support 
and also provide support to their families. This doesn't sound like what I remember. I want to hear more about this. Welcome to the Felony Inc. podcast, Barbara Kennard. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Cool. Well, I talked to you just a little bit yesterday, and I was like, oh, I'm not worried about this person. I am not worried about it. I knew that you would be open. Um, I knew that you cared about uh, what you were doing. It's not just a job to you. No, not at all. Oh, that's so, that means so much to me. I love that. We need people like this. Um, so, you know, tell us maybe a little bit about your background to what you're comfortable about and what led you to being in this uh, situation position. Sure. Well, out of college, I started working at Fish and Wildlife in the basement doing phone surveys, which was interesting. Um, oh, so you have the, uh, so, have so the you, contact center experience. Yeah, are they, yeah exactly. <laughs> wow. And from there, there was an opening at Oregon Corrections Enterprises. At the time, we were a division of Department of Corrections. We that were, were That was in 95. Okay that I came on board. And at the time, our business name was Unigroup. I think we've had probably, I don't know, 10, 12 different names. But then when the ballot measure passed and we became a semi-independent state agency, then we officially became Oregon Corrections Enterprises. And when was that? That was in 99. 99. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. That's that's our time. So they they had some other name for that program. We were in there and it changed like a year later. Yeah. Um, we were inside Oregon Enterprises, inmate work programs, corrections industries, prison industries, penitentiary. And we had just a lot of different names before we finally settled. Well, I was in CAD, uh, computer drafting. I did AutoCAD training in uh, 2001 and 2003, uh, right in that area. No, that wasn't part of OCE. That was the one at Snake River? Yes. Yeah, that was not part of this. Okay. And unfortunately, they... I believe they took that sort of program out, but is there are there other um, nowadays? I hear there's there's a people using CAD. Yes, we have a CAD operation at Oregon State Penitentiary for our manufacturing shops. Yeah, so amazing. they're they're drawing the products that we're producing in the wood and metal factories. Well, that's really important to me because it changed my life so much that um, I love to hear that it's being used. I know there's a lot of other things that can work too. So. That's just my my little great epiphany that I had. Um, and so, um, let's see. I know you were looked. She, she sent you a list of questions. Are those? Would you like to get to those questions, or can I sure. just ask you my just own questions? Ask your questions. <laughs> I'll just keep these as notes for myself. I don't have those handy anyway. So if you if you feel at this at some point that that we're not getting to something important, just let me know. Sure. Something you want to say. Okay. Uh, so you in '99 and on um, was it '99 that it became OCE and Correct. it was like okay and then um, how did things progress from there? Because I remember when I was there, um, there wasn't all that much going on. There it was there was a lot, almost a we want to take it away sort of mentality. Is that still there? I'm sure it is to one degree or another. It actually depends on the economy, interestingly enough. So we are, one of our missions is to help Department of Corrections become Measure 17 compliant. Measure 17 saying that all adults in custody must work or education combination of a minimum of 40 hours a week. Mm -hmm. So part of our role is to help bring that to fruition. When did that, when did that measure go past? 94. Okay. 94. And then I started the year after that. So, okay. 
I remember something of that sort. But right, right. Um, so in the statute, it we're there to help implement or help DOC become Measure 17 compliant, but we also must be self-sustaining. So that means we cannot get money from the legislature through the general allocation process. So whatever we sell pays for our programs. That means that, in a sense, we must compete with somebody. Mm. And that pisses people off. It can, absolutely. Having inmate labor. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Part of the statute... Um, and the Constitution also says we have to avoid displacement. So we run this fine line of just by the very nature of succeeding, you kind of have to expand or grow in some way. So we have to expand, but we can't displace workers outside of the prisons. So in in an economy with high unemployment, we tend to be a political target. In an economy like we're experiencing right now, where unemployment is extremely low, and employers are having difficulty finding skilled workers, exactly. In fact, there's there seems to be more jobs than there are workers out there, or at least people who want to work. That's what's happening in Portland. I know that. Yes, and so employers are actually coming to us now and saying, "Hey, what what all do you teach? What do you have guys that could or or women that could come work in our programs?" So right now, it's a really sweet time for us to really hone in on skill development what is what does that tell you i mean it really is a good economy changes a lot of things um and things were not they were you know they're not always when they're not good um inmates are the last person the people and the thing is when you they're not getting paid a whole lot for doing this so you can actually probably afford to sell items for products for less than other people can so do you do you Slight misconceptions. okay i want to hear that sure so if you think about companies on the outside don't usually have to have a lot of security staff walking around they don't have to have their staff going in and doing searches of desks and work areas looking for contraband etc these are added costs that the department and oce has to deal with um, just the fact, uh, just the the act of moving something in and out of an institution takes a lot longer and a lot more process to do than a company on the outside might have. For instance, getting a cart of laundry outside of the penitentiary, you have to pull the truck up to the gate and the staff have to get out and you have to hook a heartbeat monitor to the truck and then wait to see if there's anything in it. You know, I mean, it's it's different practices than most companies have to deal sure. with. And and the products, um, if it's a product would you, that you had an unfair advantage on, I mean, it, or whatever, you, you just wouldn't come in and undercut people. You no, absolutely not. That would not. piss a lot of people off, right? Well, and it would also go against our mission. So mm-hmm. if we're trying to get people skilled and we want them to have jobs when they get out, we need to have companies out there that can utilize the skills that we just taught them. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, in our print shop operation, there's a lot of mom and pop pop print shops so we're not going to compete with those people so we only sell to government when it comes to our print shop and we'll even some of our overflow work will contract with the mom and pop operations Mm. and then our people when they get out can go work at those locations that's great it's a perfect partnership so that but that's like local around the institution right i mean 
our print shop is located in Salem, mm-hmm. but we have people who've been hired in print shops in Portland. Okay. That have come from our location. Well, this is fantastic. This is. The, I hope a lot of people are listening because this is really an eye opener. What do you think, Lad? Well, up? you know, you know, the thing, Dave. We've talked about this before uh, many times. Is that. Uh, you know, a guy or a girl, you know, they go to prison, <clears throat> and there's just not any vocational training programs in there. Those are the first things that usually mm-hmm. get cut when the budgets are being cut. And so now they have these these programs where guys and gals can get in, and uh, they're making money for the state. You know, they're helping them out. They're, you know, they're help teaching these guys and girls a new trade. So I mean, this is awesome. That's I mean, exactly what we what we always dream of happening in there. Um, I got to ask you this: so you say fourteen hundred people um, at any one time? Is that right? Currently. Okay, right at this time. Uh, and right now, of course, the economy is good, so that right. that makes a difference. Um, so, if we say, uh, how many people are in the Oregon system? Do you know? It, they just surpassed fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand. Crazy. So about almost ten percent, or nine, nine, ten percent. That's what we shoot for. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay. Uh, so if if that's the case, then over a period, over the time that somebody's in the prison system, they uh, what are their odds of being able to get into a uh, vocational training program? Is that a fair question? It's a fair question. I don't know if I have an answer for well, you. Maybe a maybe sort of a. See to the pants answer. Sure. So it would depend on the location because we're not in every institution. Um, and within the institutions, we're, we are an incentive program. So it's not just anybody in there can apply. Well, right? so, I'm 100% with you on Absolutely. That. So we have criteria. We want people to finish their education. We want people to finish their programming like anger management and parenting and those type of programs that are absolutely. vital. Right? Mm-hmm. So as long as they... And we want them to not bis- not misbehave. We well, want yeah. them to accept that sometimes you have to follow rules, whether you like them or not. Well, you teach it teaches people accountability from the beginning. Some people think, I remember we used to think accountability was a dirty word. That's so not true. It's a life changer Absolutely. to become personally accountable and accountable to the system that uh, you need to be, be part of. Um, so, you know, okay, say I'm a good... I'm, I'm a good boy, and I decide I'm going to get better. I'm going to transform it. I'm, I'm going to take every opportunity to get out to be the best person I am, I can be. What are my odds at that point? Well, then you have lots of choices. Mm-hmm. So you have programs within the institutions that aren't OCE also, like physical plant, where you, where you might enter an electrician apprenticeship program. Uh-huh. Um, you have food services, which for some people going that chef route is very important or that mm. classic baker count is you know is very important right so not everybody <laughs> so not everybody necessarily wants to work at OCE but for those who do um, the chances actually are pretty high we we tend to, in a way to compete everybody within the institution is competing for the same workers in a sense That's cool. because we want changed behavior yeah Right. They're the ones who deserve it, and they're the ones who are going to make everybody else look good. You know, it's we look for success. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're successful in OCE while you're still inside, you're probably just just by being you being successful, you're affecting other people in the institution. Yeah. Right. Rubs off, doesn't it? Exactly. That's a ripple effect. Exactly. Hey, lad, what do you got to say right here? 
Well, oh, I got got a little break coming up here, Dave, so why don't we just step on into that? And CPA dudes, where accounting is never boring, their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. Wouldn't that be nice, Dave? Yeah, it would. That's Holy really cool. crap. I love it. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. You can find them at cpadudes.com slash startupradio and tell them Dave and Lad and Barbara <laughs> sent and you on. <laughs> and we'll send you a special surprise. Seriously, we will. Well, you know what? I used to think that was bullshit. I thought we would just read a bunch of crap. But you know what? Um, I found out since that that's the real deal, dude. Yeah, these guys are these guys are on point. Yeah, I'm. You know, I hope my accountant isn't listening right now, but uh, <laughs> he might be. He might be hurting for a job soon. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> he might be uh, working for OCE, maybe Oregon. Um, so let's get back to our to our great guest here. One thing I wanted to mention is that when we are choosing products or services that we're going to offer. We try to focus on stuff that is not currently made in Oregon, mm. or at least the Less majority of it. That exactly. Way. So that because of that fine line that we walk. Yeah. So, for instance, with our contact centers, we are recruiting those customers who currently have their seats overseas, and they're trying to bring them back to the U.S. And we're saying, well, we're a solution. You should, you know, look at us. Yeah. What, so, is, what is a contact center? The call center. Oh. Right. 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 So people who are on the phone. Does it sound better to say contact center? It, they, so if it's a call center, I had to look this up to find out what the difference was. Exactly. <laughs> if you if you have a call center, it's technically it's just phone calls. If you have a contact center, then you have somebody there that's also operating by fax and email. And while the crew doesn't necessarily do that, the staff that runs that sure, crew yeah, does that. Don't so want, we don't right. want the crew doing that. It's, it's a mass security issue. So Pro- I, problematic. Yeah. Problematic, yes. So I know that... Uh, over EOCI, Eastern mm-hmm. Oregon Correctional Institution, they have uh, a blues factory, a jean factory. So there's nobody else in the state of Oregon that makes jeans? Um, interestingly enough, there are not a lot, of, a lot of garment producers, at least not on a larger than a boutique level. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much most of the sewing is done overseas. Okay. In fact, with Prison Blues, just getting our source material, we wanted to have a product made in the USA. So it took us a long time to find a linen mill in the United States that made denim to the quality that we wanted. There's like one. Really? So who make, where do they make it? China? Uh, where does who make what? Where, where do they come from? Uh, oh, the other denim products? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they, um, Thailand. Uh, it's all over the place. But uh, so you source yours how now? So we found an American company that actually makes denim in the U.S. and from American plants, you know, mm. <laughs> picking the cotton and then they make the make the fabric. So where does the blue come from? I'm curious. You know, uh, because they're blue That's not jeans. Because they're blue jeans. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I'm just wondering where that blue color comes from. Anyway, that, I don't know. That's just me being. I don't know. Overly busybody. Go ahead. So I I just have a question. You know. Okay. So. Um, we're talking about the blue jeans, and of course, mm-hmm. you guys have all these other programs. Right. Um, where can people get this stuff? So we have a website, uh, www.prismblues.com, that has, we've just updated it, so it has two new buttons on it, and you can click one, and you will be able to see the list of all the different resellers that we um, sell to. Mm-hmm. And if you click the other one, it will also tell you then which of those resellers sell online. 
Oh. So you can do it in multiple multiple ways. And they're sold all over the world. They're sold in uh, Germany, England, Australia, uh, just all over. And then around the United States so also. How, my next question, of course, is, um, you know, just concentrating on that one, how, mu- how much how much do they sell? I mean, how much do they make? What is their, their quota there or whatever? I honestly don't know. Oh. Uh, so but we how, do a celebrating, celebrated our 25th anniversary uh, this last November. So oh, what are congratulations, man. Thank 25th, you. 25th, wow. So uh, prison blues, what do they look like? Are they, they don't really look like those old uh, Oregon Department of Corrections logos and all that, right? No, they are a very rugged jean mm-hmm. uh, that has a, they have a label on it that has our logo, which is made on the inside to be worn on the outside. Ooh. Yeah, pretty nice. cool, huh? I like that. That's good. <laughs> Um, they come in different styles. They have the the double front leg uh, for those really rugged jobs. We tend to, currently, we've been catering to the logging industry, but we're about to launch trying to market to construction trades and, um, oh, I just lost my train Other of thought there. Other people who need heavy people duty who, jeans. People who need a jean that, another one of our slogans is tough as nails. Mm. People who need a jean that's tough as nails. Right, right. Okay, so I, I do have one more question, Dave. Right. I'm sorry for jumping in so no, much. This good. is really interesting to me. Okay. Okay, so um, I know when I was in there, Dave was in there, and we were in these, you know, OCE programs, probably not called that at the time. Um, but these guys and gals, they make a little bit more money than the rest of the other inmates that are doing the other jobs, the kitchen and, and stuff like that. What is, what's the difference? So they tend to earn almost double usually, and sometimes a bit more than that. So they're all based on the same point system. So they don't actually get paid by the hour necessarily, um, with one exception. They will earn points if they have done their job successfully that day. So if they didn't punch out the supervisor, if they didn't, you know, whatever, if they didn't bring in contraband, then they get a pass for that day and then they'll get points. And at the end of the month, that equates to money. OCE has, in addition to that, has a team goal award. So if we've met our production goals, if we've met our efficiency goals, if if they've been working well together, et cetera, et cetera, then they get a team goal award. And in the contact centers, they will also have um, the eligibility to earn individual meritorious awards. So based on the number of successful calls, successful leads that they get, et cetera, then they might get an additional money. What are, they, uh, what are the calls generally about now? I mean, we used to do surveys. Oh, it's a wide variety. So some of them are, we have a couple inbound where they're answering regulatory questions. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the outbounds, they're either um, finding leads or they're setting appointments for outside salespeople to go visit the company to Mm -hmm. then sell their product. It's a a wide variety. I see. They still have the DMV. Mm-hmm. And that's at the women's? Thing. They have it in two locations, actually. But it started with the women over 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. First, they were just taking calls for the Portland area, and now it's for the entire state of Oregon. and oh, has cool. been for many, many years. Is the mapping prog- uh, program a thing of the past? Yes. Because they got the world mapped. Pretty much. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Um, so I, I wanted to ask you also... Uh, what other what other enterprises do you have? You have the jeans. You have, you know, what else? Where are we at there? What is a list of things? Sure. So you read quite a few of them um, from our website. So we have the furniture and the metal. We have sign shops and print shops, mail fulfillment. Could I get a sign made if I asked? You have to be a business that 
And you have to get like multiples. You be a horse. Not necessarily multiples, but you have to. Usually, it's government. Usually, it's government. Usually, it's government. I see. Um, And and guys from the sign shop when they get out, we've had several that have started their own sign shops once they get out, which is really exciting to see. Yes. But we have service industries too. So like we've talked to contact centers. We've talked a little bit uh, commercial laundries. We do. uh, We're the emergency preparedness solution for Oregon. In case the Cascadia event happens or something, then um, we do hospital linens. We process laundry for hospitals in several locations. We have a document scanning program. So for those who have their documents that they've been spending all that money warehousing them for archive purposes, we can scan them into this searchable software that makes it easier for them to find their documents. We have, I'm going to look at my list here so I don't forget anything here. Um, Oh, we have a survey program that teaches them teaches the adults in custody the software to design surveys and then when the surveys come back they run them like the scantron remember the old bubbles you'd fill mm-hmm. in those type of things and then they come back and fill those reports in the machine and then they learn how to create analytical reports to give the customers we have wow. um our latest addition uh, that I'm excited about is our access to online program. That's at the women's prison. So these women are learning how to analyze websites for the visually impaired, for compliance with visually impaired standards. So somebody who's blind or visually impaired can take a screen reader and run it across the screen, and it will read to them what's on the screen. And if the website isn't set up correctly, then it it can't read it. And most of the websites that they're going to are sites that tell them how to get the vital services that they need. So these women have, working with a private partner, have uh, learned how to analyze those and then create reports to tell the customer, here's how to fix your website and here's the standard that that meets. And they just, uh, we just had our graduation last week, they just became certified through Department of Homeland Security wow. as trusted testers for websites. So they have that credential now. Now this is again uh, mostly government type this, websites? This particular certification is for government websites, but n- now that they have that one, they're on their on their way to earn the private sector certification also. So they'll be able to do both. Oh, great. Um, so if if I want to know more and if I, um, like, the, my deal is like, how can this affect me besides, of course, I love what you're doing and how it makes a difference, uh, you know, in the present system and in the bigger wor- the, in the world in, in, in general. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how can I use this? How can I, as a consumer or as a business person on the street that isn't part of the government, is, can sure. we access some of these things? Some of them, yes. Yeah. And more importantly, I think as an employer, you can utilize this. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. when we survey employers, we say, what skills do you want them to learn? Because we can teach them skills. And they said, well, we can teach them skills. We want people that are going to show up to work on time, that are going to practice personal hygiene, that are not going to get in a fight. We need people with the soft skills. And so that's a huge part of what we and do. And don't do drugs. And don't do drugs. <laughs> that's a huge part of what we do is teach those soft skills. So mm-hmm. it's a combination of both. So just because a person trains in the laundry doesn't necessarily mean they're getting a laundry job when they get out. Right. However, they've developed job skills, just the skills Work of ethic. having a job. And, and learning to appreciate, you know, the value of work. If you never worked before, you know, and you've been fighting working all your life, mm-hmm. it's... 
it's this great epiphany when you realize how it's kind of cool to work for somebody until, you know, some people want to work for themselves, but you got to start where you're at. Exactly. Yeah. And it's fun to watch people change. I get very addicted to it, honestly. <laughs> um, when I would run shops, I would be walking across the yard and I would, I would see somebody doing something that was great. And I'd walk up and say, good job. And they'd be walking all, and you'd see they'd stop. And they said, what did you say? They brighten up there. It was the first time maybe that person had heard that in a long time or if ever, you know, whatever. And so it's fun to watch them get used to a positive environment. Yeah. And then that just encourages them to change their lives, too. That's, that's great. So on that note, do you, you know, I'm sure that you've seen over and over the transformation of these men and women in different positions there. You have, you have any good examples or any good stories to tell us about that? In fact, we love it so much that we actually created a page on our on the parent agency website www.oce.oregon.gov. We have a stories page that is success stories, and we include them in our annual reports now. And then it gets posted on Oregon.gov, the state of Oregon's homepage, and they link to us. Oh and wow! It's really going out to brag about these people who have just done amazing things with their lives, nice. whether they're, uh, sometimes it's working for the partner that was with us, maybe through the contact center, working with the customer that we had there. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it's going off and doing their own thing, but they're doing well. And we love that. And so we put that on our website. Wow. I believe it. You I'm going to have to visit that. That principle, or the principle that is being used in this, um, circumstance and and it, you know by this system that you are talking about is the same system that was the beginning um, and was a vital part of my transformation so it's very easy for me to see how this works sure uh, and I'm excited because um, when I left prison in 2000 late 2004 I was already like on a mission to help others do that but I um, I really just got super busy working doing my own thing and I hired a, we hired a lot of uh, ex-felons and made the mistake of you know not really doing our homework and I don't think there were as many people coming out as uh, you know ready to go as there there seem to be now um, thanks to your program and others uh, so I'm I remember we made a lot. We made mistakes, and we would hire buddies. I would hire buddies instead of hiring the best person. Um, that's not how it's done. And when these people come out, if you're an employer out there, you can get some of the most amazing people. Absolutely. They come out with a mission and uh, a zest for making a difference. And. So um, I just think what you're doing is great. I have to go to a, a break um, and talk about another one of our great sponsors. Today's episode of Felony Inc. is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this. And uh, that means press releases, editorial pitches, and the like. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. Hmm. That's a hard one to read. I don't know if that came out. Did you understand that? 
I did too. <laughs> and you know what? Also, listeners, please leave Felony Inc. podcast a review on iTunes. We might even read it on air. And I'm not going to say the last word. Glad not to say motherfuckers. But okay. He, he can't pronounce it. It's too big a word. It is. Um, to me, it just looks like Dave. So whenever <laughs> I say that, weird. Nice. Dyslexia. Good one. All right, we have a little more time. I think you were ready to ask her a question. I well, you know, um, I'm kind of curious. You know, I always wondered this. Even when I was in there, I, I, I uh, was curious about this. But, you know, I know that um, companies that come in to the institutions that um, open up, a, you know, whatever they're doing there, they actually pay the institution like a, at least a minimum wage per person. Um, so, well, they pay OCE, right. not the institution, um, and it depends on the program as to what the structure is. Right. So what's the breakdown of where that money goes and how it's you know used? Well, again, we don't receive any legislative funding. So the staff that are operating our programs... That's the biggest cost. Uh, and yes, right? usually, yes. The, um, the other is the cost of raw materials uh, for our programs. Not all of our programs run at a net positive because we're trying to reach as many people as possible to train skills. So it tends, usually our service industries tend to make a little bit more money. Our manufacturing industries, not so much. Well, you do, this is a, uh, you do need a profit, right? You, you guys do have to operate at a profit. Well, right, and to survive. So, so some of the some of the things that um, you make up for for the ones that don't make any money exactly. with others that exactly. do. Exactly. What, what is your position at the, and what, what has been your history with Oregon Correctional uh, Enterprises? I didn't ask you that yet. Sure, my, my current position. Um, well, we joke around and say my, my job description is 95% other duties as assigned. But, <laughs> <laughs> but my title, that's, that's, that's his job, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. My title right now is Communications and Program Manager. Communications and Program Manager. So you deal with a lot. Um, you deal with the public and with, uh, does that mean communications with the inmates too? No. Um, mostly uh, the, the public. Yeah. Um, the communication through to the adults in custody is usually through our staff that are in those shops or through the communication channels such as the... Um, the they have a news channel inside that's for inside. They have the newsletters inside that are for the guys inside. And so... Some of the information goes through that. Hey, lad, you're going to have to get in trouble again and go back and, no, and do a little no, time and no. tell us what it's about. Over and, and Don't that, do that. See Don't that do tell that. us how much different it is. Now. Okay, hold on. Put your chin right here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, you know, wait, now I forgot my question. I, I, had, well, a question I had a question in my head. Too. Well, okay. I, I'll go ahead and ask it. Okay. So, basically, communications is yep. PR, right? Or is it? Sure. It's, it's that and other things. And it's, responding to requests, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. 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 So my question is this, um, is this part of your job? Because I know that when I was at OSCI, and this was in the mid-90s, and they had the DMV call center, I worked in there. And um, when the public found out that there was inmates answering the phone for the DMV, there was kind of a big backlash. And it's so is that about, part of your job to deal with that? Yes. And about every two years, it seems, there seems to be this, somebody suddenly realizes, oh my gosh, they're at the, and we say, yes, they've been doing it for 30 years. Calm down. It's, they don't have access to it's your social working, security number. They don't well, have right? access. Right, exactly. You don't have any, well, that, 
that's a good um, you know segue. Uh, do do these people actually have problems? I mean, are, there are, have to be occasional blips where Absolutely. somebody does something screwy. Because they're human beings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but but what is there a certain sort of criteria that you accept uh, in your in, in these programs? Sure. So for any, and I think you're probably referencing those that are using telephones or computers as where your question that's, was that's headed. That's like the, I right. think that's the epitome of what I'm talking about. Sure. So nobody with felony convictions for ID theft, computer fraud, none of that type of stuff uh, with either on their current sentence or in the last 10 years, depending. Um, that's the first one. They're just immediately disqualified if that mm-hmm. happens. Also based on their institution behavior. If they've been acting, if we've noticed that there's something that's putting them in a more risky type of a situation, we probably aren't going to bring them on as well. Okay, so also, um, you are talking about this earlier. Um, you, um, I think we might have talked about this off air, but, you know, uh, about the education. You guys want to get them, you know, into the education, get Absolutely. that stuff for So, on that level, is there anything, do they have to have like a GED or do they have to have a certain qualifications from the education to get sure, in there? Sure, great question. So the some of our certification programs, so OCE has its own homegrown certification programs, plus we have some outside ones that we use. And for those programs, they have to either have their GED or be actively pursuing. Some of them, they have to actually already have it. Um, others, they have to be actively pursuing. And that tends to be a problem at times because of scheduling. Mm-hmm. So the education portion of Department of Corrections, they're at the mercy of whoever they're contracting with, what hours they will come in to the institution to provide services. And we're at the mercy of our customers, too. If you're in a contact center that wants to contact businesses that are open from 9 to 5, you're going to have your contact center open from 9 to 5. Well, don't you have like a... a um don't you have enough people who have been through and got their GED? Don't you have a big enough pool of people there? Or are you are you so hard up for um, participants that you need to get people who haven't gotten that far yet? Sure. Well, the average stay is like three and a half years. That's actually a lot of turnover. Yeah. By the time you figure they come in and they have to get through programming, they have to get through education, they have to, to show good behavior before they come to us, we're already shortening the window that we can have. So some of them absolutely are still working on their GED. So you're trying to increase people's sentences so that they can stay. No. <laughs> oh, I, I'm going to. I'm no, going to say no, that. No. I, was, I was joking. No, I was no, joking. no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, obviously that wouldn't be your choice of what to do. I can see some evil people thinking that way. Um, so he wants me to go back, and yeah, then he wants to increase well, the people's sentences. Yeah, I need a. I, I need you. To go Maybe back. he needs one of those kind of bars or something. Yeah. Yeah, maybe no, I don't. Not banana. <laughs> not banana. Uh, not banana either. <laughs> you freak. Okay. So, uh, on that note right there, so you've dealt with the inmates. You've been in these programs yes. with all these guys and yes. stuff, and you've seen the transformations. But um, me and Dave, you know, we love to joke. We have fun. And so... Is that, you know, you get in there and these guys are having fun. You, do you see the type of humor these guys have and can you appreciate it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's really, you just, you just got to revert to being eight, nine years old, right? <laughs> yeah. Twelve at the, the oldest. 
That's what I do every day. Every all, day. all of our shops, we, we try to treat it as close to the outside world as possible, given the fact that we are in a prison environment. Mm. So, yes, humor is a huge part of what we do. Do you have kids of your own? I have stepkids, yes. Stepkids, mm-hmm. okay. Um, and how old are they, if you don't mind? They are all out of high school and beyond oh, now. Oh, beyond. Okay. Yep. And uh, hopefully they're all doing well. They are. Good. Um, they haven't I, had to take advantage of OCE, right? No. I have three... I think probably hearing some of my stories probably scares a little bit of that <laughs> out of me. I, I've been very fortunate with my background uh, and having not been there for my daughters, Maybe that was the best thing that ever happened to them. <laughs> because they turned out really good. Oh, yeah, they're great. And I got some amazing granddaughters. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Me too. Yeah, yep. cool. Yep. A lot so, of people say prison saved my life. Yeah. Right? Well, uh, it probably did yeah. in my case. Mm-hmm. I you know, never saw it that way until way later. Mm-hmm. In fact, I didn't see a lot of things um, until way later. But I remember for me, uh, have you have you seen any really amazing transformations and uh, successes? Like, um, for me, it was it was surrender and realizing that I, and humility and realizing that I was no longer um, that I no no longer had to pretend to be something. You know, this this guy, I could just be who I am and do the best I can at that. Um, that was a great moment for me. Now, do you see people people's attitude change? Absolutely. I can tell you a, a couple that I've seen and then a story from another one of the managers there. In fact, I'll start with that one first. Uh, in the print shop, they had this person who had anger issues, and the counselor had come down and said, would you please just take a chance on this guy? I think he just needs OCE right now. That's what he needs. Not OCD. No, no, no. <laughs> OCE, Oregon Corrections Enterprises. So they brought him down to the shop, and when he really wanted to learn, he wanted to be a success, as, as I think most of us do. So... He's learning the press, and something would go wrong on the press, and he would freak out and start throwing stuff and yelling, and everybody would back away from him, except the staff would come in and say, okay, now let's talk about why that's not exactly the best approach to take, because look, you have the support system, and they are no longer here, because you have scared the bejesus out of them, right? They have it. Right. And this went on for several months, and they just kept reinforcing, reinforcing this with them. And after a few months, they had another new guy on the crew, and they heard this shouting on the floor, and they assumed it was him, and they looked up, and everybody had backed away from this new guy, except the guy that they'd been working with. He went up to the guy and said, now let's talk about why that's not appropriate. It's like your support system, right? It was Love beautiful. It. it was just Love absolutely it. beautiful. He got it. He got it. All right, Dave, so let's talk about this, all right? Maybe we just mellow you out here. That's what, that's what I'm going to do from now on when Dave gets all... Because when we go play, sometimes Dave gets a little nervous. When was the last time that I got upset? Not upset, but a little nervous. Oh, I get nervous. Yeah, because to me, playing music, it's got to be... It's got to be a certain level of quality, you know, otherwise I'm not happy. And we're always right on that cusp. But, you know, here's the thing, Dave, which is sad, is that it's always someone else setting us up for that. It's not us putting ourselves there and then, you know, not having the right equipment or the right sound or the right what, whatever. We don't have any control of that. It's the things that are out of our control that always mess us up. And that's kind of like what she's talking about, you know. Got to center. Got to center, Dave, sometimes. I mean, Lad is, is the most, uh, least un, least likely to uh, follow his own advice. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lad was great in prison. We used to play basketball. And, uh, oh, no. Lad, yeah, there you go. Lad, you know, he'd be this great. He's a good basketball player. At least he was back then, right? He can't even bend over and tie his shoes now. I can't. Back then, he was pretty good. And, uh had a good shot and you know he would we would get in these games competitive games and and lad would somebody would foul that you know it's prison dude it's you're gonna get fouled then i was done and he was like you gotta call your fouls i didn't foul you i called my foul just a minute ago and it would be over it would be over. he could not play after that <laughs> it's true yeah so it's anyway, so true so he has no room to talk he, i don't He's still talking about it. He's still like that today. But you know what? Uh, me and Dave, you know, just for general workout, sometimes we played basketball. And, it's and, been a uh, while. Yeah, it's been a while. But, yeah, we used to have a good time doing yeah. that. But, uh, you know, you learn from your mistakes and move on. So, so um, Barbara, what, what, is, what messages have we missed? Have we missed what's important to you to get out today? Is there anything specific? take a chance on people that's that's my thing is that's what OCE does with people inside we take a chance on them and say we feel that you are still valuable even yeah. if nobody else has ever told you that we feel you're valuable and Department of Corrections for the most part they do the same thing and they have work-based education programs such as their they have an automotive program and um, building trade constructions and a welding program they have a similar programs it's just that theirs are more on the education level Ours are more on the production job experience level. There's a little, there's some training, but then there's also really getting in and doing the work. How great would it be to be able to have an opportunity to do both of those things? Exactly. Um, does that happen? That's what we're trying to line up right now. We're we're working with them, and and sometimes it's a matter of location. So, we have a welding shop at Oregon State Penitentiary. They have a welding training program at Deer Ridge. Well, mm -hmm. we don't have a program at Deer Ridge, but at least then two different locations are getting some skills. Mm -hmm. So they're reaching more people that That's way. Great. Well, do so, say if you're at Deer Ridge, right, mm -hmm. and you go through the welding program, do you will you know will they, the you know the corrections department would they move somebody like outstanding to to one of those programs? Well, so Deer Ridge is a minimum, and they're going to pick them. They're going to try to line it up so that when they finish the program, it's just right before they're getting out. Mm. So they're not really going to have time to come work with us. But they do have some programs that they're looking to see how they can align, like a CAD program. Mm. Could they do a training program where then those people could then come work in our CAD program that's actually doing production work? Yeah. So we are working with them to try to make that happen. You made a cool. point earlier about um, it isn't always the skill that you teach somebody that they use when they get out. Not that, not exactly. Of course, everything matters. Um, it's really more the attitude and the instill, instilling a good work ethic and, and how, how you treat people and, and things like that. Correct. Um, and self-worth, teaching yeah. self-worth. Well, you know, and a lot of these guys... Um, you know, I know Dave was like this too. You know, I, I to a point as well. But growing up, you know, um, kind of stayed to yourself. You know, you weren't weren't ready to work with other people. And that's something these programs do. You know, they get you in a like you say. There's incentive pay for the whole group and whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's a team pulling together, and that's that's something I think was one of Dave's biggest things. You know, uh, getting out and working at the bakery and having a team behind him. I think right. he, he really, he needed that in his life and it really propelled him. One of my favorites 
success stories, if you want to call it that, I think success isn't necessarily about the big moments. It's about the little moments. And one of my favorite memories is working out at Mill Creek, and I'll I'll change the names so that (laughs) I don't identify people, but... um, we had this. We, <laughs> <laughs> we had this young guy on the crew. I think he was maybe twenty, if he was, and he was in uh, at that time for uh, I think it was marijuana possession, large quantities of <laughs> no. marijuana possession, and then we also and he became kind of like the because he was so young and and whatever he just kind of became the mascot of the crew. We just he was everybody's little brother. He called. Uh, me and the supervisor, he called us Mom and Papa Ron. That's mm-hmm. that was our names, and you know, and then everybody started calling us that. But um, so he was there, and then we had this other person on the crew, and um, I'll call him Jay. So Jay was in his sixties. He was a little rough around the red, rough around the edges, um, pretty opinionated, and a magnificent welder. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, he was just so highly skilled and so he would help teach the other guys on the crew welding skills well one of the things that I did with this crew ad nauseum was tell them what you do affects other people even when you don't realize it it always affects other people when you don't realize it and I just kept harping on that and they'd be like oh my gosh there she goes again they get so sick of it but one day Jay and I were walking across the welding floor to go look at it he had a question about a particular job we were working on and he suddenly stopped and so I stopped and I looked at him and he said kind of under his breath he said I just never realized it and I said what he said well all that time he was in for attempted murder but mm-hmm. uh, and he owned that yeah. and, he, and he also said but what they could have gotten me on for years was distribution of marijuana mm-hmm. he said I always thought I was immune from it because I only sold to distributors it never dawned on me that by me selling to a distributor sold to tons of people Tim would end up in prison yeah and I just looked at him, and he just kind of walked away in his own little world, just processing what he had just realized. And I just quietly left the room, shut the door, and then did my little happy dance. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. This is fantastic. Yeah. That's, yeah so. Well, the ripple effect of what we do is, is really something that's always worth talking about. Um, you know, we, we've always, um, you know, I've always seen what I do and what other people do and how it affects so many people. Uh, you can affect them in a good way or you can affect them in a bad way. Absolutely. I remember as a drug dealer, I was like, well, you know, I started justifying, rationalizing and everything. I, I would say, because I did have some sort of conscience. And um, I would say that this is really, uh, you know, that I'm not doing any, anything bad because I am, I'm not doing crimes. <laughs> you know, I'm not hurting anybody. Right. This isn't hurting anybody. I don't see the effects of what I'm doing. But those people were going out and committing crimes. Right. You know, it, it affected a lot of lives um, and a lot of kids and so forth of these people. And when I turned it around, when I finally realized what was going on, I turned it around, um, hiring these folks uh, and seeing how their lives changed and how they changed the lives of those around them and their families, their, the business they work for and uh, the community, um, what you're doing is amazing. Yes, I, I'm very you. much so. I'm really We're happy to meet you, and maybe we can have you back sometime. I would enjoy that. It's been really cool. Okay, well, hey, that's Barbara Kennard. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you for joining us uh, this week on Felony Inc. Podcast with me, Dave Gall, and little buddy, Lad Justison, and our guest, Barbara. You know, next week we're having a best of show, but in two weeks our guests are Jessica Jackson Sloan and Alec Goodich of Cut 50. Cut 50 has created a national initiative to reduce the prison population while making our communities safer. Their campaigns are led by people who have been directly impacted by the justice system and want to create change. Join us every week live at 10 a.m. Pacific time at startupradionetwork.com. And if you, join, if you don't join us live, we may visit your house late at night when you're least expecting it. What are we going to do, lad? We're going to break and enter my ass. <laughs> We're going to break and enter your ass? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you said. You say it every week. Oh, now, my goodness. He just said it. Okay. Uh, he just invited everybody. All right. And, you know, coming up after the break is Latino Founder Hour with your host, Edgar Navas and Claudia Cardenas. Their podcast is usually in Spanish, so say... Thanks again, Barbara. You're welcome. Thank you. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.